Good morning, everyone. Good morning. We begin our season of Advent, and Advent for the church is its new year. So on January 1st, you'll hear me preach, and I'll make a reference. This is the calendar new year for you guys, but this is the church's new year, so happy new year to you. By that, I mean we enter into a new cycle. Uh, now is the Gospel of Matthew. We just ended up, uh, we just finished uh, cycle C with um, Luke. And now we enter, we're going to hear primarily from Matthew's gospel for this year. Um, the daily masses and the first readings come from what we call year one. We just finished up year two in our cycle. Uh, so this is the church's new year and its new beginning. And um, my friends, uh, the, if you will, the chief function of Advent is to prepare us for Christmas uh, and to help us to understand what Christmas is, not all the gift wrapping and the shopping but what it truly is, recalling the incarnation of Jesus Christ, the fulfillment, the beginning of it. Um, and um, I've learned some, uh, in order to do this, we have to look back uh, at salvation history. And I've learned that in the season of Advent, um, there are different themes, and the theme of light, the theme of joy, the theme of expectation, um, the theme of peace, and also the theme of hope. Uh, during this Advent season, we'll be hearing from the prophet Isaiah. And the prophet Isaiah uh, spoke to his people in a time that was extremely difficult for them on just about every level. And he was talking, the prophet Isaiah's role is to bring God's word, but in particular, he was talking about messianic times. He was talking about the time that the Messiah would come. And in doing this, he continued to uh, instill hope within the people who had suffered so much. And um, in this reading today, we hear about peace. He describes a time when not just the tribes of Israel would have peace, but everyone would have peace. And I read the reading and I was like, oh, I need to absorb and breathe in this peace that he talks about because, Lord, have mercy, we need that, right? Uh, and he said, all those instruments of war will be no more. And he was talking about everywhere, and then he's talking about the whole world would be at peace. Amen. And that time will come. And uh, St. Paul, uh, in a second reading, um, he's talking about a wake-up call to his people. He said, wake out of your slumber. You're being lazy. And he said, put aside the foolishness that, and start walking in God's wisdom. Start walking in light and in holiness. Uh, because... Uh, he is coming. And uh, even though St. Paul, uh, for them, in St. In Paul's time, Jesus' second coming, it's the perusia, uh, his coming in glory, in majesty, um, it was very imminent for them. I mean, they really thought next week or the week after that he was coming. Uh, so he said, put all these foolishness aside and start walking in holiness. That way you'll be ready to greet him when he comes. And... Uh, my friends, uh, during the season of Advent, we should work then, as one of the virtues is, is hope. Uh, we should work to increase hope, not only within our own hearts, but in the hearts of others who are around us. And uh, St. Paul tells us that hope is not hope when its object is seen. We hope for what we do not see. Uh, he was writing to the Romans, chapter 824, when he said this. And this virtue is not blind, meaning it is not without its foundations. It is not some type of daydream or some fancy-filled notion. Better said, 
is that hope looks to the future, but always with an eye on what the past has been. Our hope for what the Lord will do for us is based on what the Lord has already done that we see in salvation history. And the biblical message is what God has done is what God will do. I kind of sound like the gospel writer John, don't I? <laughs> he talks in circles too. What's being put forth is that we can trust God. This is crucial for our relationship with the Lord. If you do not trust him, you will not follow him, you will not listen to him. So you must trust him. And God is trustworthy. God is consistent. God is ever faithful. And perhaps the only surprise will be not that the Lord has abandoned his loving ways of dealing with his own people, but that he will surpass in the future anything that he has done in the past. All this being said, this first Sunday of Advent calls us to wake up to Christ's coming and beckons us to wait in joyful hope, not in fear, but with joy for the coming of our Savior in majesty and glory on that great day when he will right all the wrongs and when he will establish everywhere his kingdom of justice and mercy and light and peace. The scriptures tell us, according to God's promise, we await a new heaven and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. That comes from Peter, the closest one to Jesus, 2 Peter 3.13. And as we look forward to the second coming of our Lord, do you guys understand what that means, the second coming? Do you? You understand? Oh. Is that the little one who said that? Good for you, little one. Father will be able to retire soon then. <laughs> that, that's the Lord's coming in glory and majesty. Now, last night I went off on a fancy-filled uh, journey with the people last night, and I know they probably left going, what the heck? <laughs> Father, what was he talking about, all the brick and walking through that? And uh, It's because we don't talk about it. We talk a lot about hell, and we should, and pain and suffering, and we should, and those are all real, the other reality is the glorified state. What does Father Mark know about that? I know about what Jesus did. What was his glorified state? And I tell myself, now don't go off like you did last night with that because people are like, what is, <laughs> what is Father going on about that all? But we have to come to this reality. And one of the ways I looked at it, if, if I was holding a lottery ticket and it had the $50 million combination and I said, I will give this to you but you must follow A, B, C, and D. You are going to follow A, B, C, and D. Get your hands on that lottery ticket. Well, we have something greater. We have eternal life. We have the glorified state. And there's a recipe for that. A, B, C, and D. You just got to follow it. Now, I can use it the other way and say, if you don't follow it, you're going to burn in hell for all time. That's not going to work. You guys already know that, and you're not doing it. <laughs> So instead, let's go with the lottery ticket version. If you follow A, B, C, and D, you're going to have this glorified state. And what will you do in the glorified state? What did Jesus do in the glorified state? He, now remember, this is not when you go to heaven, you don't have wings. <laughs> because I asked someone, what happens when you die? I go to heaven, I have wings. No, not wings, you don't need them. <laughs> your soul. But when the resurrection of the body, your body's going to be different how do we know this? Jesus was different. He came back. He ate a meal. Remember, he barbecued on the beach. And then he walked through the walls. 
Father Mark last night said, I can't wait to be in that glorified state so I can walk right through the wall. And I told people, if I did this now, I'll bump into the wall, knock myself out. Somebody will come and get me and take me to the hospital where they'll do a psych evaluation on me. So, priest, why did you think you could walk through the wall? <laughs> you see, it sounds crazy. And yet, this is what is promised. And much, much more. Much more. But we don't think about that. And when was the last time you heard a Catholic priest talk to you about that? We don't do it enough. We are to be filled with hope. And this hope has its sure foundations in Jesus Christ. Of course, we look back to his first coming when Gabriel announced to that woman, Mary, that young lady in Bethlehem. We acknowledge that in times past, God spoke in partial and various ways to our ancestors, to the prophets. And in these last days, he spoke to us through his son. This is not a quote from Father Mark. This is a quote of St. Paul from Hebrews 1.1. My friends, in one of the prayers that the priests pray during Mass, it's known as the Fourth Eucharistic Prayer, that prayer acknowledges that time and again the Lord offered covenants and through his prophets taught us to look forward, forward, also known as hope-filled, to salvation. The hope proclaimed by the prophets of the Old Testament was based on God's actions by which he had freed the Israelites from the slavery and uh, impoverishment to the Egyptians, and God then made him his own people, meaning the Israelites. This hope was fulfilled when God sent his only begotten son to free us from the influences of Satan and slavery to sin and to save us from everlasting death and thus to establish with us a new and everlasting covenant in the blood of his son. God had done not only what perhaps we had hoped for, but even more. In Advent, through prayerful contemplation of all that God has done in the past, we receive reason for hope. And moreover, we receive the grace to nourish and sustain that hope and to share it with others and to make it grow into a steadfast and beautiful force that will stand shoulder to shoulder with the other virtues and values of faith and love. Perhaps saying in a different way, the chief function, as I opened with, of the season of Advent is then to prepare us for Christmas. And that preparation is framed in the virtue of hope. But to understand Christmas, we must start by looking at the beginning of the history of salvation. God's plan of salvation is centered on Christ and is realized through his Son, Advent looks back at the promise of the first coming, the Incarnation. And then with hope, we look forward to that future time, that second coming, that Perusia, when Christ returns in his glorified state to make all things right. And I am certainly looking forward to that. As you heard my crazy going on about, I'm looking forward to more than just being able to walk through a wall. <laughs> but that's very interesting. So my friends, what do we do now? So during the season of Advent, here's what I suggest. Do a little bit more. Attend Mass more frequently. To help you with this, I will have Mass during the Advent season at 6 p.m. on Thursdays. Some folks just can come in the morning. So we'll, we'll try 6 p.m. in the evening on a Thursday. 
Let's see if that works. Be more charitable in your words and in your deeds. Don't be mean in the parking lot, not here and not at Costco. <laughs> Don't be mean to the salespeople. <laughs> be more considerate. Visit those who you know are alone. Visit those who are ill. Visit those who are anxiety-ridden about so much. Visit the elderly. Be more mindful of the poor suffering here, not only afar. We have people who are starving and impoverished just on the other side of the bridge. We need to deal with that poverty that's so close to us. Friends, these are some of the things that we can do. These are some of the things of walking in light and in hopefulness. St. Paul puts it in the opposite. I don't want to say those words over again because they make me embarrassed with the words he used, but it's scriptures. So my friends, can you do this? Can you instill this hope? Can you imagine a Catholic Christian filled with hope and joy? Yeah, it's not a unicorn, meaning mythical. It's real. And we need to instill that in others because if you instill the opposite, they will run, run away. I've just given you all, there's so much more reasons for this hope. And it's not to say we do not recognize all the things that are troubling in our world. We recognize that. But is that all there is? No. Much more. Much more waits for us. We just simply have to walk in that holiness and stay faithful. And that time will come before we know it. That's kind of what the gospel of Jesus is saying. I looked at it and I thought, what Jesus is saying, when he comes, there are going to be people stuck in traffic on I-5. <laughs> and some are staying and some are going. <laughs> You'll be shopping at Costco. Some will be shopping and some are going to go. I mean, that's what he was saying. It's going to be an average, ordinary day when he comes. So you need to be ready. Not filled with anxiety Jesus isn't going to come and pounce on you. Huh. Surprise! Caught you been being bad. Instead, surprise! Wow, you were doing good. Come, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundations of the world. So, my friends, uh, as we enter into this new new year of the church, a new liturgical cycle, um, I wish you a blessed, filled Advent with joy and peace and hope and laughter. Amen.